Parents, is your teen college ready? Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, or excited about your teen applying to college? Do you know what colleges are looking for? And if your kid gets in, do you know what you'll pay for it? College admission has never been so competitive or expensive. Shelly Howard will take you on a journey to help you and your teen get college ready. Now here's your host, Shelly. Hello, this is Shelly Howard with College Ready. And today on Parents, Is Your Teen College Ready? I have an amazing guest to share with you. I'd like to welcome Lisa Williams. Today, Lisa is going to be sharing some very valuable information about how to hold on to your money, right? We all work really hard to make our money. She's going to share how we can hold on to a little bit more of it. So without stealing her thunder, Lisa, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the blessing to be here with you. I I remember the first time that we met, it was via a Zoom call, and we didn't really know a whole lot about each other, but we immediately found kind of a kindred spirit in our faith and what we believe about entrepreneurship and helping the next generation. So thank you, thank you, thank you for having me here. So best way to describe me, I, I call myself a recovered corporate executive who woke up one morning and uh, couldn't remember the last time she learned something new. I had I had loved what I did for many, many years. I was blessed to work in recruiting of all things. Uh, I found people jobs for a living in financial services and technology, two wonderful industries. Um, but you know, some of us, we, we've had that time where we stay somewhere a little bit too long and that, that was me. So I started saying yes to a lot of different things. I was exploring perhaps, um, getting into ministry. I thought about buying a franchise. And it's funny how God, um, sometimes you don't know that things that happen from your past actually are seeds that will be planted for your future. And that happens so frequently. I was a single mama 20 years ago, and I was always good at making money, but didn't really know what to do with it because my husband was in charge of things. So I took a class at church for you, Dave Ramsey fans out there. And um, I just got really, I, I was fascinated about uh, money and being a good steward of it and uh, really have been a student of it ever since. It served me very well in my corporate days. And so when I retired, it just seemed like a natural avenue for me. So I own a financial services company. I'm not an advisor. I'm an educator, and we're on a mission to empower, equip, and inspire 1 million women to hire themselves and raise the financial IQ of women and their families. Um, and we do it through, you know, courses, online workshops. We have in-person events. So Shelly's been involved with some of our things, and just so fun to be here. I love it. I can't wait to chat with you. Outstanding. So we often talk about college in just its own singular space, but it really is one of the biggest investments people make, right? Right next to their home. 
some in California, it might be a little different, but for most of the US, it is one of the biggest purchases. And so I thought it would be very wise and helpful for families listening to look at uh, college and, and even life and financial planning from a couple different vantage points. A lot of people feel stuck, feel overwhelmed, feel frustrated, feel like they have to go to college, but they don't know why they're going. And I think Lisa brings such a fresh perspective of how people can use their money wisely. Lisa, I ask people on the show this question. My very favorite question is, in high school, did you know that you are going to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, of course not. No, absolutely not. And you know, I love that you asked that question because one of the things that I teach our students um, that are many, many parents kind of tiptoeing into the world of entrepreneurship, I, I share with them, instead of asking our kids, what do we want to be when we grow up? Because who the heck knows? when we're, you know, in high school, much less even off in college, quite frankly, right? Um, instead, ask your kids what kind of lifestyle they want to live. You know, um, do they want to work at an office? Do they want to be outside? Do they want to work with, with many people, right? Do they, are they more solitary? Do they want, where do they want to live, right? If someone here in California told me that they wanted to live by the beach, no matter how much they had a heart for teaching children, I would not recommend being a teacher because we know what teachers make. I think teachers should make six times as much as they make. You know, I think we, we all agree with that. So no, of course I didn't know. Um, however, what I did know is that God had a really great plan for my life. I've always been blessed to know that. I was raised in a household that supported that. So although I didn't know what it was, I knew that whatever it was going to be, it was going to be good. It was going to be abundant and it was going to be up to me, you know, to make it happen and really step into those, I call them your, our God gifted, you know, skills that we all have that naturally come to us. You know, one of the things, um, it's funny, I heard recently someone mention um, when you're trying to find what, how, what you're called to do, it, a really good exercise is to think back to elementary school and find out, uh, ask them, what did you, how did you get in trouble when you were in school? When did, when were you in trouble at school? And for me, it was because I, I always wanted to talk to people and be their friend, right? And so it makes sense that I, I'm an educator and that I was a recruiter for so long, right? <laughs> so find out what is, what are your kids getting in trouble doing? That's probably what they're going to be something about what they're called to do. Interesting. I love that perception or that perspective because I'm thinking of me, of course, and I'm like, yeah, that does explain a lot. I've I've always been a coach. I've always inspired teenagers. It's always been who I am. So it does not yeah. surprise me, but, um, interesting idea. What did you get? What did you get in trouble for Shelly? 
So for me, the only time I was, I was actually the firstborn pleaser. And that was with my parents with at school. I mean, everybody like she doesn't make a mistake. She doesn't mess up, blah, blah, blah. But when it came down to, um, I had to make a choice about going snow skiing or going to school. And I chose going to school or snow skiing over going to school. <laughs> and it was like such a big deal. Like the, the goody two shoes like broke a rule and she didn't go to school and so on and so forth. And but that's my travel and adventure side. Like that overtook wanting to be. Love that. That perfect Love that. person. Can I tell you, I have a story about that. And, and this will serve every parent on this call. So my mom and I, we had an agreement. My mom told me I had like five minutes in eighth grade. I see you as a firstborn pleaser because I am you as well. But my mom and I had a rule that as long as my grades were doing great, and I was a straight A student always, it came easily to me, um, I could wake up, I grew up in Alaska, so I know what you mean about skiing, I could wake up and I could go into her bedroom and I could say, mom, I, I really need a well day, I just need a wellness day. And she, she, as long as I was good on the grades front, she supported that. And I had many a days that I went skiing, probably a little too much. In fact, my senior year, my counselor called me into the, the office and she's like, Lisa, so I just want you to know you're obviously a straight A's plus your, you know, AP classes, but you have two more absences and I can't let you walk for graduation <laughs> because my family also liked to travel. So we would go, we would travel as well. So don't let your kid have too many absences while they're skiing. <laughs> I do think that's a really fun thing to think about because I'm I'm thinking of, you know, I have four kids and my firstborn was kind of like me. He really just followed the rules and it was super easy and he could have raised himself, um, but he did. He made one mistake and that is he got really, really bored in Spanish class. Like they, all they kept doing is having them color to learn the words in Spanish. And he's a straight A student. He's like, this is ridiculous. Like I did this in kindergarten. And he, back when my space was in, he made a comment about that teacher and he got called into the principal's office about that oh. comment. Oh no. Yeah. And so he's an advocate. He's always been an advocate. He's like, you know, it's not right. It's not fair. I do not want to put up with it. And he spoke out and now he's an orthopedic surgeon who's advocating for people's health. So those yeah. things, I, I, I didn't, I never put that together before because I really kind of put that one in the back of my mind. I'm like, that was not a proud motherly moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is genius. Well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about wealth. Let's talk about building wealth. Let's talk about how people can hold on to those dollars they work so hard for. How, what is it that you do, right? Wealth is such a general big idea. And you said mm -hmm. you're not an advisor, you're an educator. What exactly does that mean? I love this question on so many levels. So I think I wanna, I wanna address one thing 
that I think is really, really important. I think 90% of people should be employees. I was, I was an employee for three decades, right? Um, however, I believe 100% of people should look at wealth building as an entrepreneur. And what do I mean by that? You know, um, if only I had known then what I know now, for example. So I went to work. I was blessed to just work for some incredible companies. My last firm I was with for 23 years, I was a highly paid corporate executive. So what comes with that? When you're making multiple six figures, you are in the highest tax bracket in the history of the world, right? Little did I know that had I set up a corporation, even if it was a company that I was just planning to do a side gig or something for a period of time, I could have saved myself hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes simply by taking advantage of the tax codes that are available to anyone. Okay, so that's number one. Um, I I believe money is everywhere. I've I it 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 comes it comes to us. It flows to us. You know, the word retirement is nowhere in the Bible. Um, and I think when you really make a decision. You know, you may have a, a profession that you absolutely love, which is brilliant because 80% of people don't love what they do statistically, which breaks my heart, right? Um, so what if more people actually, you know, continue this bankroll for their dream role? They actually made a pursuit of really continuing to seek what they were truly called to do. And I believe we, we all actually have the same calling as human beings, which is to make an impact, right? Period, the end, it's to make an impact. In my world, it's to spread the good news of Jesus Christ also, right? I'm commanded to do that. Not It's not just a suggestion in my world, right? Um, but whatever your, your faith lens, you look at life through, you know, we're all called to make an impact, period, the end, right? So I find I find often we, we accidentally, you know, one of the biggest questions I would ask people in my recruiting days is, how did you actually choose what you're doing for a profession? And it was usually three responses. One, the most common because of the great um, group of people, I worked with a lot of foreign nationals who were in technology, Many of them were immigrants that came here from India or China or Russia, you know, the Philippines, and their parents had very clear goals for them. You know, they became either a doctor like your son, they got into the medical field in some way, shape or form. They became um, engineer, engineers of some sort, technology, you know, electrical, what, what have you, maybe an attorney that that was okay possibly like a CPA, perhaps somebody in, in accounting, right? But was it really what called to do, right? So that's the first thing is, how did you decide what you're doing? If it wasn't something that you truly felt called to, you get seeking, right? And the way you do that is you keep, you keep going, you keep listening to things like this. You keep, you know, you explore um, what lights you up. 
right? Shelly knows when I start talking about money and empowering women with investing, it lights me up. I, I get so excited, right? We have, as women, we have this, this financial sovereignty, the ability to, um, to change generations by getting smarter ourselves about money, right? Um, so thinking about really, are you doing what you're called to do? I think also in when it comes to wealth building, entrepreneurs make them this mistake just like I did, which is we decide, okay, we've taken this leap to get into something new, right? But we've taken the same wealth building um, mechanisms that Main Street America take does, which 90% of families we know are not wealthy, right? They're living paycheck to paycheck. So we, we take this new brave leap, but then we do the same things. We, we do an IRA or, you know, we, we, maybe we uh, get an E-Trade account or, you know, something like that, as opposed to the concept of be your own banker, which Shelly and I both love and, and love to share with people where you can actually create your own economy and a tax-free vehicle with cash value life insurance, Right. Um, we also tend to, this is just, I'm just talking stats, Shelly. Um, we tend to outsource our money. And did you know that the average financial advisor, what would you, if you were to guess what the average financial advisor makes, what would you say? What would you guess? Gosh, I've never really thought about it. Uh, the average, I have been told that, um, it's a very diverse population. There's some go-getters and there's some that are not as much. And so I would put them maybe at a hundred. I wish it was a hundred. <laughs> I was hoping the average, it's a hundred. The average financial advisor, don't take my word for it, just Google it. But I recruited in this industry for 30 years. So I know it very well. The average financial advisor is making $65,000. Okay, so oh. think about this. We've outsourced our money, our wealth building to someone that hasn't built wealth for the most part, 90% of them. That's the average, right? So isn't it interesting? What if, what if families actually made a decision to insource their wealth building? You know, they're not teaching our kiddos hardly anything about how money works in school. I just had an opportunity. Um, where is it? Oh, so one of my mentors, my money mama, I like to call her, Miss Sharon Lecter. She is the co-author of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, and she wrote, she has a new book that just came out. It's called um, How Money Works for Women. And it's it's just a fascinating tale. And it it shadows women of all ages. Um and you know what what we can do differently about building wealth how can how can we empower our next generation to think about wealth building differently if you're listening to this call right now and you're in a corporate setting where you're you're investing in whatever vehicle your employer has given you which typically is a 401k or a 403b or 457 um, it's just a tax code and ask yourself this question do I think taxes are going to be higher or lower when I retire? And most people would say probably higher. 
And so does it make sense that we're, we're not paying our taxes now when taxes are lower than they've ever been in the history of our lifetime? Does it make sense to explore vehicles that are tax-free building vehicles, right? And it's, it's interesting when it comes to getting ready for college, it's a fabulous tool to use to build college-ready wealth, right? Whether your child uses it for college or not, it's up to them. Unlike a 529 plan, which is the most common tool, which is what I had, by the way, because I didn't know any better, right, uh, for my kiddos. But um, yeah, I just, I'm excited to help just our women in general just get smart about money and, and help their kids get smarter too. That is so in depth, right? I mean, it's, it's like a, a swimming pool that's empty and you don't know what to fill it up with. I remember um, being a single mom trying to navigate the FAFSA for the first time and all the mistakes I made because I did not realize that the FAFSA doesn't look at some things and it does look at other things. And if you put your assets in the right buckets, you get more scholarships. And I'm like, why didn't anybody just tell me this? I would have done that. I, like you, did the 529 because that's all that was sold to me. And I wanted to be a good person, good mom. And it almost cost my son his Harvard scholarship. So it, I just tell parents, knowledge is power. The more you engage in knowledge, the more decisions you can make. Let's talk about mistakes for a minute, Lisa. What are the biggest mistakes people make when trying to build their wealth? Love this question. So I, the first one that I believe is, is probably the most important is they're, they're in the wrong cash flow quadrant. And I, for those of you that aren't familiar with the cash flow quadrant, it's it's a great it's a great book. It, there's a game Sharon Lecter created it, and it talks about these. Picture yourself um, playing a game of Foursquare, and the first quadrant is the employee, which I was for decades. Then you have the self-employed. They get tired of having a boss, so they hire themselves, right? But have you noticed how ninety percent of business owners they really own a job. They're now, now they are trading their time for money still, but they're just in charge of it, right? The buck stops here. So that's the left side. Then the, you have the right side, which is a business that has a system. It's it's a got a franchise model that others can learn and adopt. And then the last quadrant is the investor where your money truly is working for you while you sleep. Now you can be an employee and have, be an investor, of course, um, but the reality is 90% of people are on the left side, but over 50% of the wealth is on the right side. So that's the number one thing is, you know, even if they, they stay an employee, at least continue to move their way around the cash flow quadrant. So they have some sort of asset, you know, income producing asset that they've also been building. The second one is that um, we care far too much about what other people think. And a great example of, is, of that is Shelly and I, um, I teach about a concept called be your own banker. There's many names for it, infinite banking, rich man's Roth, 
you know, it's been around for generations and um, people hear the, hear about this idea, right? They think it sounds interesting. They want to know more, but then what happens is they go talk to uncle Bob or, you know, their neighbor, Sue, who has never heard about any of this. You know, you, sh you share with them, there's a way that you can create your own private pension that's tax-free, that you're in charge of, that will protect your assets from the IRS, you know, whatever happens, right? And um, they say, well, that sounds too good to be true, right? And we care so deeply about approval from others, right? It wounds our soul when we hear someone we love, you know, poo-poo on our new idea, right? So instead of realizing, you know what, neighbor Sue doesn't really know a whole heck of a lot about, you know, about this topic, instead of, you know, continuing to pursue the knowledge from those that do, we, we lick our wounds and we, you know, go back to what we did. And I did it. I tell you this because I speak from experience because I had two financial advisors I worked with and I read a book by Tony Robbins called Money Master the Game. This was back in 2014 around then. And um, I, that's when I first learned about the concept. And I brought it to my two financial advisors and I said, I wanna do this. And they both kind of mansplained me and told me, you know, it wasn't, oh, this won't serve you, Lisa. Code four, I don't really know what it is. And I'd rather you just keep working with me and paying fees, right? Right. So, um, so, you know, there's that there's, there's our approval addiction. And then the last one I would say is that I've already said it. We, um, we, we have a complacency about our money. That's, that's been developed in this country. We've outsourced our money to whether it's our employer who just hands us something, whatever retirement vehicle, and we take it or, you know, our, our financial advisor, there's a lot of people that have advisors that don't have any idea. I want to challenge you. If you do have an advisor, find out what you're paying in fees, right? Um, ask yourself, when's the last time I learned something from this person? You know, do I feel like I'm empowered? Am I really empowered to make decisions about what I'm doing, how I'm building my wealth? Have I vetted the person truly? Are they a wealth builder themselves? Are they investing in the things that they're recommending I invest in? You know, in, in the world of life insurance, which is the license I hold, did you know that 80% of life insurance agents don't actually have life insurance? That's a scary statistic, right? Crazy. I had no idea. That makes it's no really sense. It's really sad. Yeah. Wow. Imagine Shelly walking into a store, you, you were looking for a beautiful pair of shoes for a gorgeous event you were going to. And would you buy shoes from someone that wasn't wearing shoes? <laughs> right. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. If they don't believe it in enough to be using it, that would probably be a first, oh my goodness. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So I am so always so blown away. You're such a wealth of information. If people wanted to learn more, 
if they just had questions, I know you're always open for a conversation. How may they reach you? Oh, absolutely. So you can find us at lisawilliamsco.com. Uh, we have lots of free classes, lots of ways to, you can reach out to me. I actually give people my cell number because I'm, I'm a texter. So if you'd like to text me and get in touch with me, uh, my number is 714-396-0193. Do not hesitate to reach out. I, I love making friends. I feel like strangers are friends. I just haven't had the blessing to meet yet. So would love to just invite you to get to know our community more and um, help others in the process. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. Parents, thinking about college can be overwhelming and scary. And most of the time it's because you're fearful of the price tag. Just imagine if you had wealth, would you be as stressed out, as overwhelmed, as concerned? Getting your financial house in order opens up the world, not only for you not to use your retirement or your future money, but it allows your child to get the big scholarship. So Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it.